Uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Uh, we introduced this last week, talking about parables. Uh, Jesus is uh, beginning to talk to the crowd in parables, and there's a purpose for it. He indicates that uh, uh, it's, it's to divide. I mean, Jesus is going to throw things out. Those that uh, respond to him are going to hear and understand and continue to grow. Those that have rejected him and have rejected his truth are going to now begin to lose the understanding that they've got and go further into darkness. And this parable, we're going to spend some time talking about the parable. It's called the parable of the sower uh, most often. But it involves uh, in these players, the, the farmer or the sower, the seed, and the soil. Uh, the farmer or the sower is the one that's scattering the seed, but that's, you know, that's, that, that, is, that is gone. That's, that's going to be just, that's his job. What the focus is, is the seed, and the, the farmer or the sower we can assume in this case right here, and it's going to indicate that Jesus is sowing the truth. And, the me- and it's going to be said to be the message. When we interpret it, it's the message. And the message he's preaching is the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. So he's proclaiming the kingdom to these people, and they're going to respond to it. Now, we want to keep this in context, you know, so we can get draw as much out of it in the correct context. But eventually we'll be able to make application. Like sometimes we're the ones that are, you know, pro- providing the message and others are listening. But we don't want to start running down the road of application before we've actually interpreted this and kept this in the context of what it is. So Jesus is, is going to be sowing the seed and he is the messenger and the message is the message of the kingdom. So the, after that is stated... We can assume now the seed is consistent. There's no variation in the message. The message is Jesus is sowing or proclaiming the message. The message is the seed. It's consistent. And so we don't need to necessarily worry about the seed uh, because what's going to take place is going to be the soil. The soil or the condition where the seed falls is going to be uh, the issue. Now, sometimes as you read this parable, even as it's put together, in, as you read it in the context, these two become, because once the seed meets the soil, now the seed is part of the soil, and the seed is uh, growing or not growing. It's, it's uh, uh, the effect of the seed in the soil. So sometimes this becomes one unit in the parable as we're going through there. We're not always talking about the soil Although the soil is going to be the varying factor, it's going to be the seed in the soil. So once the seed joins the soil, it becomes either good or bad seed in the soil, depending on the soil. So in a sense, the message is the same, but the soil does have an effect on it. And that's kind of a slippery issue as we go through this. I'll read it in the NIV. Uh, We've heard this uh, many times throughout the years. Uh, This is possibly, we could say, the introductory parable, Jesus says, if you don't, later on, he's going to say, if, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand anything, any parable, I'm going to say, how are you going to understand any of these things? So this, in a sense, could be an introductory, or it could be one of the simple parables, uh, a foundational parable. Uh, this is the, the absolute rock bottom of parables, or the, the, the foundation of which everything is going to be built on. So I'll read this, and we'll spend some time talking about it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat on, in it uh, out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Again, part of it, again, the crowd was so big he needed a platform to project his voice. True. But also the crowd was so large that they were pressing on him he had to get away from them. Otherwise, he never would have been able to speak. He would have been just you know, crowded around with people. He taught them many things by parables. So that's, this is not just the only parable. They didn't all gather around and hear this parable and then go home. He was telling them many things in parables, and some are hearing things, and some are going, well, what's he talking about? And he just kept telling parables, you know, almost, he could have been, you know, in a sense, almost like rambling. And some are going, what is he talking about? And others are like, well, I, I'm following him. I, I'm understanding. And you've been in that conversation possibly before just with someone who's talking, and they're talking about maybe something you're tracking with them, you know, you're understanding what they're saying. And others are like, I, I, I got lost. What was he talking about? And once you understand a little bit of it, you go back to the conversation, and the whole conversation is now clear. Well, so he's teaching them many things. It says it right there. 
And, and in his teaching, he said, this is one of the things he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we, you know, because of our, our background, our familiarity with this, even just reading that, things are popping in your mind, you're understanding, it's like making connections, you're, you're judging your own heart, you're thinking about how am I responding to the Word of God. But if you just, that, that was his teaching. He told them just like that, and then says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And just left it there, meaning even in that crowd, some were like, oh, maybe tracking and building on it, thinking about it. And others were like, I, what? What does that have to do with it? Yes, that's true. You, you drop seed on the road, it's not going to grow. But who plants seed on the road? It's like, what is he talking about? So there's probably a wide spectrum of people processing it, people understanding bits and pieces of it, trying to connect it, and others that were just getting more and more discouraged because this is making no sense whatsoever. It goes on. We'll come back and fill in some of these other things later. I want to get to the interpretation. Now it says, when he was alone. Now that's important because there, there's a break right there. He was talking. That's, that's how he talked to the crowd. And there was no, like I'm going to, going to explain. We're going to spend what I just read in what, you know, 45 seconds. I'm going to talk about it for an hour. Talked about an hour last week. We'll talk about it some more next week. So we're going to have like three hours of discussion about what's going on here. But what Jesus said right there, that's all he said. And then he was done with that portion of his teaching. So that's all they've got to work with. Uh, then Jesus, okay, uh, verse 10. When he was alone, so now they've gone alone. Now he's with the 12, and it also says, and the others around him. I don't want to miss that point. We made it like two weeks in a row now. But he's got 12 plus the others. And I think, again, this is followed up on in the book of Acts when on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 gathered together. And they had to replace Judas, who betrayed him, and they had to choose, they said, we should choose someone who was with us from the beginning. Well, it's like, well, you know, in the Sunday school mind of thinking, I mean, you know, just simple thing. Well, there's only been 12 with him since the beginning. Well, no, there was a group that he chose 12 out of, and these others continued to be with him in certain levels. Because remember, he's going to send out Later on, he's going to send out 72, not just the 12. He's going to send out 72, and they're going to come back to him. So this, there is definitely a group of 12, but there are others that are separated from the crowd. And we can see a number potentially right here in Acts. This is the 120, and out of that 120, they chose one to replace Judas. And so uh, when we, he's got a crowds following him, but he's also got what we can consider a, a fairly large class you know not just the 12 but there's others that are following and, and learning from him and of course we'd like to go back and find out details of what, what were their lives like after the resurrection and where did they go and how, how did they process you know their calling did they go to other countries did they start churches what what, what did they do did, did they fall away how their lives all pan out but anyway so that's just that that phrase right there chapter Four, verse 10 when he was alone the the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable so this is not the crowd so then he says to them and we'll talk more about this again next week but i wanted to go, get to the interpretation of the parable he told them the secret of the kingdom of god has been given to you and that was the message the message of the kingdom of god it's been given to you but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so those on the outside, again, the crowd, he was picking people out of the crowd, not so much hand-picking them, like you, 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 but his words were selecting people. And now, you, as we go through this, it's going to be a matter of, was God selecting them? Some theologies would say that. Or was God's word going out to them? And 
Jesus makes this promise, and it's throughout the scriptures, those who seek will find, those who knock, the door will be open. And if, if they were seeking truth, they're looking for God, he's throwing out this information, and it's like, that's what I'm looking for. And they would begin to draw closer. And some would maybe think, and we'll talk about this again later, I'm, I think I'm looking for the kingdom of God, or I think I'm looking for God, but I'm looking for this portion of God. I want this, not, not just what, what is God going to show me, I, I want God. It's like, no, I'm looking for this God. And it's like, oh, and, and you'll respond to that God, but then God begins to open the window up wider. It's like, well, yeah, I'm part of this, but I'm also all this. I, whoa, that's not the part I want. And they'll end up drawing away from it. And so as Jesus is teaching this, those who are searching are going to draw draw closer to him those who are looking for a little bit they're kind of maybe interested but they're going to see more than that's really not what i want and they're going to begin to fade away and then some are going to just be like the pharisees they've already made a decision they're there only to be judgmental and prove you're not what i'm looking for and and they're going they're they're not they're a closed book and so that's what jesus says the secret of the kingdom of god has been given to you but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And some translations would be, be healed. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Almost like a rebuke to those that are close because they're on the inside. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And now he begins the explanation. We'll read through it. Then we're going to go back to the beginning and, and break these verses down the farmer sows the word some people are like seed along the path now notice right here you see the soil is what's varying now i'm reading in the niv right now the soil is what i said was varying but now all of a sudden and the and the message is the seed well now on this interpretation you see what just happened here it says some people are like seed along the path well, so now they're like the seed. I thought the seed was the message, so some people are the message. And I think what's taking place here, like I said, is the seed is the message, so that is consistent. But once this seed goes to the ground, the soil, it now becomes this, this seed in this soil, and this is now the individual, the seed some individuals are like this seed in this soil and it's the message coming into the individual if that makes sense because otherwise this the if it says the the seed is the message but now some are some people are like the seed it's like well the seed is the message and so now you've just revert or you know it's switched images do you, you see what i'm saying how that that has taken place and i think that's a nice way of resolving that because once you receive the seed now it's you and the seed, and what's that seed doing in you? Um, and so it becomes more of the individual and how the seed responds inside of them. Uh, it says, as soon as they, okay, uh, verse, verse 15, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes. And all right, there's, straight up says Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word. Again, they, they, they come united with it. They're the soil, and now they've got the word, and now they are the seed in that type of soil. Are uh, like seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, that would be an example of when they, they we're looking for this part of God. We're looking for this right here. I'm looking for something good from, from God, and they quickly receive it. But then once it begins to open up and what that really means, trouble and persecution comes. Oh, I wasn't looking for trouble and persecution. I was looking for deliverance. And I thought you said God was going to deliver me. I'll take the deliverance. You get the deliverance from sin and death and the world, but we're not out of the world yet, so you're going to get the difficulties and the persecutions of this world. It's like, what? I didn't sign up. I didn't come to God for difficulties and persecution. I came to God for deliverance. Well, now again, what is deliverance? Is deliverance deliverance from my worldly problems right now? I mean, sometimes, 
But even as God delivers you from these worldly problems, he's not going to deliver you from all things. For example, we're all going to die. Say, well, well, God will deliver you. It's like, okay, he might deliver you from this crisis or he may help you in this situation. But history proves, the Bible explains, we're all eventually going to die. Now, we're going to be delivered from death upon the resurrection, but that's not going to happen on this side of history. We all are going to, at some point, unless the resurrection, the rapture, whatever, however we want to talk, takes place, we're all going to pass through death. And so at that point, there's a great example, at that point, you're not delivered. You are dying. It's like, well, that's trouble. That's persecution. That's not what I thought. I thought I was just going to, it's like, well, no. God will deliver you sometimes in life, but ultimately you're going to have trouble and persecution in this life. And you can argue with me, but the big, big point is you're going to die. Is that trouble or persecution? That's definitely not deliverance. In the Christian theology, it is because you've gone to be with the Lord, but you are going to lose on this side of history. So that right there, I think we'll talk more about that when we get here. As soon as they hear it, uh, okay, uh, others like seed sown along rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Yes, I'm delivered. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. They really didn't have time to grow or take time to grow because soon trouble and persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. Well, this, that's not what I, I, I'm confused. Well, you didn't have any root. You've got to get some root to understand what's really taking place. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulnesses of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, one thing I'm going to point out when we go back through this is the seed that fails on the rocky place gets eaten right away. I mean, it doesn't even sprout. The ones in the rocks, it's got shallow soil, it sprouts, but doesn't develop any roots, it just gets scorched. The, the one in the, 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 the thorns, it, it isn't eaten, it begins to grow, it's not scorched, it's actually growing like up with the weeds, but the weeds begin to choke it out and it doesn't produce any fruit. I mean, it, it's growing, it didn't get eaten, it didn't get scorched, it grows, but it doesn't get a chance to produce any, what we'd say, mature fruit. The weeds choke it out. And what chokes out the fruit is the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things. Come in and choke the word. Here it says, making it unfruitful. Notice what happened. It made it unfruitful. It didn't get eaten. It didn't get scorched. It grew, but it, didn't, it was unfruitful, which is a totally different level from being eaten by a bird and being scorched by the sun. You should have produced something, but you're too worried about other things. And we'll talk about that. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. So there it is. They hear it, they accept it, and they mature and produce something uh, that is similar to the seed. You know, the seed was sown, and if they're going to produce a crop, it would be something similar to the original seed. Like if you plant corn, you get corn. And so if you receive this message of the kingdom, you're going to go through all these phases, and eventually produce something of the kingdom of God. You're going to produce the kingdom of God. And interesting, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Just like you had three levels of failure, uh, being eaten by the bird, being scorched by the sun, being choked by the weeds, now you've got, you're growing, you're producing a harvest, 30, 60, and 100. And so it's not just this line of like yes or no, or I, you know, whichever way I'm going with it, is... You, you've got a sequence of somewhere along, even if you're over here producing uh, 30, there's still the idea that y- you could produce 60 and you could produce 100. So this, and again, I don't think those are the exact you know, numbers, it's probably a spectrum anywhere between there. And so how long does this production go? It could just, you know, the, the spectrum could just continue and you're going to fall somewhere along there if we are the soil or if we are the seed that's producing we're on that spectrum somewhere, or the people are. I mean, now be careful as I teach this, because I, I always want to rush over and start making an application to us. We're going back to 30 AD, and Jesus is talking to the crowds from a boat, and he tells them this parable, and walks away, and the disciples and the others that are with him come and say, what does this mean? And he explains what just happened that day. He says, what just happened today 
is this right here. Now, again, obviously, we're going to be able to make application. Okay, with that, we're on our notes, and I think we should begin on page two. And uh, if nothing else, a lot of these things are basic. Uh, they're simple, uh, yet there's a depth to them. If nothing else, there's, there's a, a reflection of, you know, because this is the, the, the first parable, the foundation parable, uh, this is something that we, I, for me at least, I, no matter how many times I hear this, uh, there's always this self-reflection. It's like, wh- where am I at on there? And I think we're talking about, the parable is talking about individuals responding, but one of the applications you could almost make, or I, 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 I do make, is I've been on all different levels of that spectrum. Now, I've, I've responded to the Word of God, but I've got a, 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 a and again, I'm in the application. I shouldn't even be doing this right now. I should wait and teach what I've got my notes on. But have I always responded to the word of God? Now, I, I responded to Christ. I responded to different things. I, I would say I'm, I'm over here growing at some level. You know, I, I don't even know where to put myself on the scale. Uh, but I do know there's been times I've heard the word of God and and not received it it got eaten up now again i didn't know i'm talking about my salvation i'm talking about because i come by later in life and i read the same verse or i hear the same message you're like oh i need to embrace that and so i know there's things that i'm hearing and understanding or i'm not dealing with i'm just letting satan eat that part of the revelation uh not as uh, yeah intentionally I, you got it you know it's, you hate to say intentionally but it's like I just don't have enough care to protect that. Sometimes it gets, you know, and I've done it where problems in life come, and it, it, it gets scored. I'm making progress, and difficulties come, persecution. If it's internal or external, I give up and go back and, and go back to that old method of doing things. Or I get worried about other things, and I stunt growth. Or I, I know I have, you know, before you go, like, I'll stand up and walk out. It's like, well, this guy's a loser. It's like, I know I have crossed over and received the truth, and it has changed me, and I have produced over here. But, you know, a, on application, you know, every, everything I hear from God, if it be by the word of God or the spirit leading me, I mean, there's still a battle. There's still a battle going on. And I can't think the goal is to can get more and more over on this side. Okay, that's more application than we want to get into. Okay, right now. Okay, page two in the English Standard Version, the same thing, Mark chapter four, verse two, and he was teaching them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it was, had no depth of soil. And then the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Uh, the notes I've got written down here, the parable of the sower is about hearing and responding. Because he's going to end the parable by saying, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So this is about hearing and responding to the message of the, of the gospel or the message of the kingdom. Uh, the parable will both reveal those who, who seek, interpreting parables. Okay, uh, go to point four because we went through the other material last week. Point four, soils. Uh, we have the path. And I want to spend some time on these things. The path, you've got the rocky soil. And you've got the thorns, and then you're going to have the good soil. Now, in my mind, when I look at this, and this is, I, 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 uh, this is what I mean, when, I'm ta- when I begin talking, I'm, I'm, I have an image in my mind of what I'm discussing, so I want to let you see that so you can make corrections. Uh, there's a, I, I see like a, a, a gravel road or even a blacktop highway, and as you've got the solid blacktop, the path, that's nothing's going to grow. But then right off the side, and I spent a lot of time over the years running 
roads you know like you run like you run do your cross-country workout just run down the road well you run right beside the pavement you know especially in traffic and a lot of time i remember running in country roads where you are you know county roads in you know the country uh, and you run in that gravel right beside the road and then sometimes weeds will grow up in there but they're not going to go very far they're just like weeds and you're running in the gravel so the path in my mind is this blacktop road but this is, this is me in the picture of my mind. Not We've got to go back to what this is actually saying. I'm running down a blacktop road in my mind. The rocky side is right there beside the pavement, uh, which is the gravel, uh, uh, the shoulder of the road. And sometimes weeds will grow there, but it's, there's no soil there. And then the thorns is the ditch. As you go down, you know, where you've got the ditch so the, the water can run off, the snow can get plowed into, there's just all kinds of weeds growing there. And sometimes you'll see a corn or something, a seed got scattered and there will grow. And then there's going to be a fence line, and then you're out there in the soil where you're going to have the, you know, the, the black soil of Iowa. They're, they're, they've plowed it, they've cultivated it, it's all laid out. And then you've got rows of crops growing up, and it's you know, the nice little green rows, and pretty soon they're, they're overlapping during the summer, and now they, they're harvesting. So that's, I see the, the blacktop, the gravel beside the blacktop, the thorns and weeds in the ditch, and then the fence line, and then now you've got someone taking care of the fields out there. That's the image I see now. Jesus and his listeners were not familiar with Iowa uh, paved roads in Iowa. But that's, so again, I've got to be careful because that, that's what's in my, that's the picture I'm familiar with even when I interpret this. But we've got to keep it in context of they're walking down a path and there's some kind of, you know, a hard path probably packed down. Then there's gravel on the side. Now there were Roman roads. I mean, we, I, I know in the framework book I've got a nice diagram of a Roman road that, that Clint drew when we were discussing the Roman road, and I could draw it up here real quick. The amazing thing about Roman roads, you know, they're still there because of the way they, they did. They would dig a, see, I don't want to do this, but they dig, they dig a trench, and they'd go through a series of laying down things in here, and underneath it, there'd be like, you know, sand right here, and then there'd have like gravel, then they'd put paving stones on top of this, and this is way below the frost line. So when it freezes, this never moves. It's down, it's deep. And then they, when they get all these stones set up in here, paving stones, then they'd put sand on top of that and fill it in. So that'd be like a smooth road. And I've walked on them. I mean, we've been in, it's like Sephora. I can still see them in Sephora. And you can still see in these roads, there'd be dips right here where the chariots, the wagons, would just wear paths in the, in the road. But they're still there. The, like the... Uh, a pian way you know uh that we talk about in rome that's you can drive cars on it you can drive cars on roads in rome today that were built by the romans and that's kind of part of that whole idea so that was uh, uh, also that was something jesus and the people would have been familiar with but nonetheless oh i wrote this down i erased it path rocky and then the thorns and the path is hard is hardened uh, and if the seed falls there, it is not going to grow. And so now you're looking at s- the, someone's heart. And again, we'll get the, Jesus' interpretation of this. But when the seed is sown right here, it's just, gonna, it's just laying there exposed. It's not absorbed. It's not received. There, there's no place for it to go. This has been sealed off already. And the seed is just going to lay there. And the birds are going to, in the parable, the birds come and they eat it. They, they devour it. Jesus is going to say during his teaching, he says, Satan comes immediately to steal the word. So when, and again, take that to heart. Whenever truth is presented, especially talking about the the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom of God, whenever it's presented, it's like stop looking at this little temporal frame of world that you've got. We live here, it's, it's real, it's part of our history, it's part of what God wants us to do. But there is a message that's much bigger than our temporal existence. If a person does not receive this or if it falls on on a path, uh, the birds are going to eat it up and it's gone. I mean, it's not like they're waiting. It's, It's gone. It's been taken. It's been stolen. Satan immediately gets rid of that because that is his enemy. It is undermining his message. And so the birds are going to come eat this and there's really no hope for it. Now again, go back to the parable uh how how does this even work and this 
this comes back when you start looking at this. Uh, how serious are we to take this? Is Jesus looking up, like some people in the commentaries talk about, well, Jesus was on the boat, and he's looking up, and probably while these guys are all crowded around, he can see somebody in the hills around the Sea of Galilee up there, of a farmer, you know, would have motioned. See, he's planting his seed up there, and would have used that as an illustration, potentially. Uh, but then you come over here, who's planting seed on the pavement? I mean, everybody knows it's not going to work. You don't see, like, in the spring in Iowa, farmers going down the road on the blacktop, and you see there, you've you got to get behind them and wait, you know, drive real slow, harvest season. I hate going to work during harvest and, and going to work during spring because you're, you're late, you know, or you're trying to get home. And then you, right as you're just coming around the corner, you're coming down the road, some farmer pulls out with his equipment, you know, and it's like, and you got a big slow motion slide on, you know, slow, and you get, and it's like everybody's trying to get around, and, uh, but what you don't see is the planter pull out and start, they're not scattering seed on the road. They're not going to do that. So that's kind of makes this strange. Who's planting seed on the road? So is Jesus just using this as a, a good illustration, but he's adding some non-real, no one's going to do that. But nonetheless, the idea here is nothing's going to grow on the road. Then, interestingly, the rocky places, uh, in, a, in a rocky place, the idea would be one of two things. There's like, uh, like in our blacktop illustration I was using, things will grow because you've got gravel, but there's also bits of soil or it can grow up in cracks. I mean, we got things, you know, if I clean, you clean your gutters, uh, but if I don't clean my gutters right away in the summer, the seeds start growing and I, you know, I clean them out twice this year, but we'll be sitting on the deck, we'll look up and we've got like plants growing out of our gutters. Now, again, I can get plants to grow in my gutters, but you've seen my grass trouble out here whether the city got done digging it up. It's like I can't get grass to grow out here, but I can grow grass in my gutters, and I don't want grass in my gutters. But uh, the idea of, of, the, of, the, of the just enough soil that it can get root and start to grow, things can grow in rocks as long as there's soil on there. But the other idea is that you've got this bedrock, you know, the bedrock of you know like a mountain or a, a, a hill it's the bedrock of the earth and then there's a very thin layer of of soil on it something can grow on that but it can't go down now i have i have a situation here where we've got a a basketball pole we used to have and the basketball pole you know eventually broke off and so tyler and i cut it off at the base took a sawzall cut it off at the base and there's just this concrete slab that goes down probably about you know 18 inches of concrete you know to hold the post up and so I, well, well, I thought I'd take it and hammer that. Me and Ty were going to just break that concrete out. Well, we hit on it, banged on it, and it's not going anywhere. So plan two, we'll just gradually put a mound of dirt over it and then plant grass on it. Well, now it's been about three years, and I, every year uh, I get grass growing on it every spring. And then as soon as it gets hot out, no matter how much I water it, that soil, it's only about this deep on, that, at the, on the top part of that concrete, all it just it, it, right, I get a yellow circle right there in my yard all the time. It's like, what? Well, because the roots can't go down because it's going to hit that either that hit that concrete, and you, you know all this. But that's what Jesus. It's very simple. I mean, I'm telling you very simple things, but Jesus using some very simple illustrations, and our hearts are just like that. And for some reason, uh, you know, here it says this right here. Um. Uh, the, a thin layer of soil mixed with rocks or a layering on a bedrock, the seed would germinate quickly, but the rock prevented it from growing and establishing necessary root system for support. Uh, moisture could not be sustained because there's nothing there. And the sun, now interesting, the sun, and you got to be careful with the parables because it's like, well, the sun is bad. Well, no, the, you need sun. You need sun and water. But in this case, the sun is scorching it. So again, you know, not saying the sun is bad, but it, if it's a parable or if it's a metaphor, if it's a metaphor, the sun's got to mean something. But in this case, it's just we're not trying to explain you need both moisture and dirt and proper chemicals and the sun. The sun is just something that's scorching. In that case right there, it's going to scorch it, and it's not going to grow. So it, it, it took root. It started to grow, but it got scorched. It got burnt up. This, nothing happens. This, it started to grow but no roots. Now, again, that's going to be important, especially as a Bible teacher. I'm going to, this is important to me because this, for me, that if I start making an application, you know, 
you receive the word with joy, but you don't have any roots. You're excited. You're going to heaven. You're, you're a Christian. I, I'm saved. God cares about me. And do you have any understanding about life? How, do you know what God's doing in history? I, I, God God, God will take care of me. It's like, well, you're going to go through trials and tribulations. I'm sure God will take care of me. And then he goes through trials and tribulations, and God doesn't do what you thought he was going to do. Well, you get scorched. You, you, it's like no root. It's like, do you understand? Even as God has taken care of you, he's going to take you through these things. You know. All right. Uh, then the thorns uh, in the soil. The thorns are referred to in Scripture. I just wrote these things down. Uh, Genesis 3.18, just interesting here. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you after the sin, Adam's sin. The ground shall produce both thorns and thistles, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So while you're trying to grow crops in your soil, there's not going to be thorns and thistles growing, but that's part of the fall of man. You're trying to get good things to grow, but right there beside it is going to be thorns and thistles. That's Genesis 3.18. Jeremiah 12.13. Now, this is punishment from God. Now, this is not a parable. This is real. This is real life. Uh, Jeremiah says, they have sown wheat and have reaped thorns. They sowed a good seed, but God is judging them, and I'm not going to let that wheat grow. Only thorns are going to come up. They have tired themselves out, but profit nothing. They shall be ashamed of their harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. So here these people are trying to grow crops, real crops, but they're not honoring God. And God says, you're not going to get I'm just going to let you have thistles. Isaiah 5, 6, I will, same thing, I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they have no rain upon it. So there's again, thorns are a point of judgment. Jeremiah 4, 2 through 4, uh, this is interesting. It says, if you can swear as surely as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, then the nations will be blessed by him, and him they will glory. For, for this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground. That would be the path. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. So right here, this part right here, the rocky part, the path. Plow that up. Get the good soil mixed in there. Uh, don't sow among the thorns. Then it says, circumcise yourselves, O Lord, and remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Otherwise, my wrath will break out like fire and burn with no one to extinguish it because of your evil deeds. So in other words, right there, that's interesting, because how can they break up the, the hard ground and how can they avoid the thorns? And the, ish, the answer right there, you'll be insight into what we're looking at tonight, is live in truth, live in justice, and live in righteousness. And if you will do those things, now the seed will grow. But if you will not embrace righteousness, you will not embrace justice, you will not embrace truth, then nothing's going to happen. Those are just verses out of the Old Testament, just touching on them as we go by. Uh, But the thorn, the seeds sown in the thorns, I write here, they were not eaten, they were not scorched, they did sprout, they, they sprout, they grow, but what they do not do is no fruit. They cannot produce, they're, they're, they're green, they're growing right beside the weeds, but the weeds overtake them, and they have not got the chance to produce maturity. Again, just in passing, I can see very clearly, uh, if I were to make application without you know, bypassing Jesus' direct interpretation, is just different levels of responding to Christian growth. The absolute no, I'm not going to accept Christ. Or yes, this sounds like a great deal. I get to go to heaven. I, Jesus paid for my sins. I don't feel guilty anymore. I'm going to heaven. Great, I love Jesus. And now trouble and persecution comes. It's like, uh, I'm out of here. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up for good things, not bad things. Now all of a sudden, they sprout, they grow. They're church members. You know, They spend their life in church. They're all about this. They're growing. They're green. But they're too surrounded by thorns that they never really produce anything that resembles the seed that was sown in them. They're in the, they're, 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 they're a plant. They're in, they're, they're, the, the plant that is growing in the thorns is a result of the word, the seed that was sown in the soil. So it's producing an image of the seed, but it doesn't, isn't able to mature enough to produce 
something of its own, something of the kingdom of its own. We can say fruit of the Spirit. We can say fulfillment in some ministry, some calling God has given you, or just basic Christian nature, you know, fruit of the Spirit. No fruit because, well, we're going to find out they're too surrounded by the things of the world, and that would be the thorns. So it's interesting that this third, it does grow, but what Jesus is looking for, if we are sum this up right here, he's not happy... Again, this is me reading into it. He's not happy with this because the, they didn't receive it. He's not happy with this, although they had great joy. It, they had great joy. They, they had joy. Uh, but they got, as soon as difficulties came, they didn't have joy. Oh, so now the joy is not just giggly joy. The joy is some kind of endurance, some kind of hupomone of endurance. I've still got joy. I've still got hope, even though I'm facing difficulties. There's, I'm not giggling. I'm not laughing, but I have hope. I've still got, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Oh, so he was up there giggling and smiling and in a good mood, telling jokes. Hey, you know, guys, you know, just, hey, these things pass. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Just, it's like, that's not Jesus on the cross. He wasn't all giggly and joyful, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So now all of a sudden, joy doesn't look like giggly. Joy looks like strength and endurance. I'm not backing down. And so they received it with joy, but they had no roots. They could not continue because they didn't understand what was going on. And uh, so then you can see that they start, maybe talk about joy, but do you really understand joy? Once you got to the cross, you're out. Uh, and the thorns right here, uh, they're growing, but they're not going to be able to produce any fruit. And you can imagine, you know, I can imagine myself. Uh, I can imagine other people who are Christians, but they're so worried, and we'll see that what Jesus is going to identify, what they're worried about. These other things are distracted, that they're, they're, they're a Christian, but you never really cross the line and produce something. Well, I'm a believer. I'm going to heaven when I die. Right, but do you have a heart? Are you, are you creating anything for God? Okay, uh, then the good soil, point D, the good soil, as Jesus was telling this parable, allows the seed to sprout and not be eaten. The good soil is going to allow it to grow, uh, not be scorched, and the good soil is going to yield fruit, not be choked by the weeds. So what you see at the bottom of, right above point D, there were three levels of failure. The hard soil, the seed was eaten. The rocky soil, the plant was scorched. The thorny soil, the plant was choked before the fruit. So there's three levels of failure. Being eaten, being scorched, being choked before the fruit. Now, on the good soil, it's going to do all these things. It's going to not be eaten. It's going to not be scorched. It's going to not be... uh, choked out by the weeds and there's three levels of success here also i turn the page and simply whatever this means uh third the good soil 30 60 and 100 fold which is so interesting because it matches with other eschatological ideas that when we come into the kingdom there's going to be levels of rewards just like there's going to be levels of production now i don't think again now i'm i'm interpreting this myself making application i don't think well what do you think you are you a 30 60 or 100 what has god called you to be well i think this is a growth chart that you know we might be somewhere on here i don't think well i'm i'm a 60 time believer you know i I produce six it's like well, I might be, but that's not because that's what God made me to be. That's how far I've grown. That's what I'm doing. I think we're continuing aiming, you know, maybe moving through this uh, as we go through. It's like, well, these are like, this is the clergy. These are people that have, you know, a part-time ministry. And these are people that are just in the helps ministry. So you have different levels of this is Billy Graham. And this is, you know, Bob in the parking lot. You know, it's like, you know, parking cars for the church. I don't think that that's, it's not like some classification. I think this is how you are producing in your life, which I, I think this is available for everyone. Uh, and where I would put myself on here, uh, you know, it probably depends on what, the, yeah, the potential God has given me. Uh, 
you know, I, I have certain s- physical skills, natural skills, as you do. I've got certain spiritual gifts and callings. And I think it would be possible for me to hit a hundredfold return production with my physical skill set, you know, my natural and my spiritual calling that would far be dwarfed by, like, say, a Billy Graham or somebody, but yet I still reached my potential. Uh, now, am I doing that? Uh, that that's, now, that's a different question. That's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, God will judge me. Sometimes I, I, I feel like I've maybe crossed the line and I'm no longer in the ditch, and I'm just barely getting into the field, and I see a few, like, you know, you know I think I got a, oh, it's kind of like me and Tyler planted tomatoes out here in my little you know, wooden box, and we planted, you know, like seven, eight, ten tomato plants, and we watered them, and then one, you know, one pretty, we had a little green tomato, and all summer long, we waited and waited, and that green tomato turned red, and we came in here, and we cut it, and we put it into a little salad. One tomato, eight plants or ten plants, and one tomato. That, that, you know, that's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, one fold return. No, 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 that would be, figure out the math. You plant 12 tomatoes, get one tomato. What do you got? You know, it's like, I think you're like 0.1%, you know, growth. But anyway, uh, so I don't know, you know, how this would all come together. We'll talk about that here a little bit more. Okay, now, um, before we get into the interpretation that Jesus has, I want to point this out because I think this can be clear. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 9, after saying that parable, Jesus just drops it like this. And he said to the crowd, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, there's a c- couple ways of interpreting this. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, that's what he says to the crowd. Now, two things, ears, physical. Everyone had physical ears. So he who has ears, physical ears, let him hear. Uh, And hear, not just the, the vibration, but the message. Let him hear the message of the kingdom. Let him hear, let him receive the seed. He who has ears, let him receive the seed. And this would then open that up in that sense, because who has ears? Everyone has physical ears, so it's an invitation. You're welcome to hear what I'm talking about. I I like that interpretation. I'll give you another one. Uh, He who has ears, let him hear. Meaning, he looks at the crowd, hey, anyone of you got ears? You're free to hear what I'm saying. I'm not shutting the door on anyone. You're going to shut the door. I'm saying... Now, that lines up with uh, going back to the book of Revelation at the very end of the book of Revelation. I'm going to try to find it. I think I've got it on the notes there. But here is, uh, yeah, chapter 22, last chapter in the Bible, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I mean, that seems pretty clear. The Spirit of God is saying, come on in. The bride, which we could say real quickly, that would refer to the body of Christ, the ministry of the church is saying, come on in, inviting the world to come. They say, come. And let him who hears say come. In other words, did you hear that invitation? Yes. Well, then turn around and tell someone else to come. Not the spirit and the bride say come. And not, yeah, I heard that. I'm, I'm coming. Well, before you come, tell someone else to come. And whoever is thirsty, let him come. Are, is any of you thirsty? You're not hearing, you don't hear the call. But are you thirsty? Do you wish you had a drink? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm thirsty. Well, come on here. I'll give you something to drink. You don't really even know what you're coming for. You just know you need something. Come here. Whoever wishes, let him take. And then it's like, take what? The free gift. It's free. Do you want the free gift? Anyone who hears, come on and take it. Let him take the free gift of the water of life, which kind of is right here. It's like Jesus is opening up. He tells the parable. 
He's the sower. He's sowing it everywhere. The message, there's the message, there's the seed. Now let it hear. Now what's going what's to make the difference? It's not Jesus that's making the difference in the sense of shutting doors. It's not the message that's making the difference. It's the soil. It's like the pavement, the gravel, the thorns, or even then once you get to the soil that it's growing in, it's like if you have physical ears, hear the message. You're invited. But now the difference is going to come. How are you going to respond to it? So that would be that first interpretation I've got right there. Um, point two, this could mean a couple of things. Anyone who has ears should be able to hear and respond to Jesus. That's the point. If you have ears, you, he- you hear it. Now do you want to respond to it? And since everyone has ears, everyone should be able to hear and respond. And so that would be a call to everyone. Point B, another way of looking at this, which is also interesting, and depending on the day, I could say, ah, I like this one better. But right now, I like this right now. But point B, anyone who has ears to hear, which means not just physical ears, but spiritual ability to perceive. So Jesus now is not talking about he who has ears. He's now in parable, parable mode. You thought he says physical ears, but he's actually talking about he who has ears. No, I'm not talking about your physical ears. I'm talking about your spiritual ears. If you have a spiritual ear, now let him hear the message. So not just your physical ears, but do you have spiritual ears? Do you have, now how would you get these, what we'd say, spiritual ears? Uh, This leaves open the question of how do they get the spiritual hearing ears? That's point one under point B under point two. (laughs) Uh, This leaves open. Okay, how would you, here's one way. If you're seeking, if you're knocking, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, come on in. If you are seeking the truth, you have spiritual, you're listening. If you've already said, no, I don't want it, well, then you're not listening. And so if you're seeking You've got this desire to hear. They have accepted previous revelation, even general revelation. You've looked at creation as there must be a God. You're now seeking, you're responding. It's like you've got spiritual ears because you think there must be something out there that's controlling, something that created me. And you're now seeking, moving towards light. It's the idea of being in a cave Are you, and you're trying to get out of the cave and you see a light at the end of the tunnel and you go the other way. Well, you're not trying to get out of the cave. If you see the light, you start moving towards light, and the closer you get, the brighter priest, you're outside. Uh, or C, are they simply chosen by God? Now, this could be he who has ears, spiritual ears, and I'm saying that would be your heart that's seeking the truth. Uh, if you want to go into you know, uh, predestination, Calvinism, that would be God has selected you. I always use the word select because I can't spell chosen without getting too many O's or not enough O's in the word. So God has selected that you've been chosen by God. And so Jesus then is just addressing those who are chosen, who are of the Calvinistic camp. You now can hear. The rest of you, I'm sorry, uh, tulip, uh, limited atonement, you're out. You can't come in. Uh, that, and again, that would be the extreme way of understanding it that way. Um, so that would, that would seem, and again, uh, point two there, according to the following context, these are the people who have received and will continue to grow until they stop hearing those who have ears to hear and so either it's physical ears and everyone is open to come or it's code for spiritual ears and now i think you got to be careful because now you're you've got to say ears doesn't mean ears ears means spiritual ears now you're now you're doing what we talked last week about isogesis you're reading into the it says ears and everyone has ears so everyone anyone who has ears well that's me look looks like everyone's got at least one ear uh well then you can hear but then isogesis, well, I don't agree with that. I think well, God only chooses a few. So that would be, well, spiritual ears, and God's going to give you the spiritual ears. So now ears doesn't mean ears. It means spiritual perception. And again, that'd be fine if it's a parable. But anyway, you've got to be careful with that. Okay, um, chapter 4, bottom of page 4, chapter 4, verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom. I'm going to read now the interpretation in the English Standard. Chapter 4, verse 13 through 20. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. See, that's the word, the message, the message of the kingdom, the sower. 
And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so now the hard path, the hard path, we'll just say hard. Satan, he meant right here. Satan comes and takes the word, takes the message. Any, any hope, any truth, any reality that was presented, Satan takes away and he must leave them with an alternative truth, a deception. So if, if they lose the revelation, if the, the message of the kingdom is taken, they're not just like, no, not, no more. They're just like zombies. They're just like, like brain dead. They no longer believe this or hear this. They've had to replace that, and then now they're accepting some kind of a deceit, some kind of deception, some kind of alternative reality. And, and uh, that, that's what, what happens right there. I've got to keep moving right here. Uh, that's point five, uh, hard. Those who do not receive the message or are unresponsive, Satan takes this truth away. It must be replaced by an alternative reality or a deception. And so now they're now, now they're now supporting this. And you can see that take place. You reject truth, you reject the revelation that there is a God or the scriptures, you reject salvation through Christ. Okay, well, what do you think? Well, I don't think anything. Well, that no, you think something. If you say there is no God, well, I just don't think. Well, then, if you don't think there's God, you think there is no God, well, then, where did everything come from? Well, it came from, oh, now you start building, and now you start getting, and just, that's Romans chapter 1. Be, thinking to be wise, they became fools and kept pumping darkness until pretty soon, they're, come, they're so far gone, God just gives them over to their depravity. You're, you're hopeless. You are insane. And that's kind, of, that's kind of partially where we're at as a culture, is people have crossed that line into insanity because they, they think they're wise you can't argue with them because they've got an answer but it's like do you understand it all makes sense to the insane person i understand no you don't You've, you you can't even see the light and they're all and they're getting more and more and more of them and now we're looking for for leadership for our nation what are we going to do oh you've got an answer okay no that's not the answer we're going to vote for somebody else and we vote them in the office like no that's not the answer. It's like, are you not paying attention? And we've got this, our society's getting more. And the thing is, we're listening. We're, they're in our, our Hollywood. They're in media. They're in politics. They're in the pulpits. And it's like, we're looking for answers. It's like, oh, there's comes a point where it's like, you, you've got, how, how, how do you separate from the world when you're part of it? And that's kind of the, one of the dilemmas we're at. It's like, we're looking for answers to our, our churches, our government, our, our you know, leaders, our businessmen. And it's like, they're all going woke it's like no no it's like oh are we just the ship is just sinking because you got insane people making decisions and it's like what are we going to do and again that's where i'm at right now. that's really where i'm at well i'm just going to just stay with the word yeah but you're still on this boat it's like well i'm just gonna and then you got to think what did the disciples do like as jerusalem was falling what did they do well they left they left and left the city Okay, well, I'm not going to like get on a boat and fly somewhere. I'm not sure where we'd go. Uh, okay, the Rocky. Those who respond favorably, see, this is great. They respond favorably to the message, but they fall away. They fall away due to trials and persecution. So they are joy. They are excited. Yes, I receive the word. I'm not, I'm not going to let Satan steal the word from me. I embrace it. Yes, I'm a Christian. Or I believe the message of the kingdom. But trials and persecution. And very quickly, we can break that down. Trials would be internal. You know, you may be, may be pressure from the outside, but you're feeling the pressure inside. If it's finances, if it's, you know, relationships, if it's whatever. It's like, what do I do? I don't know. I'm confused. And then external has nothing to do with how you're feeling. It's what they're doing to you. They're persecuting you, maybe shunning you in the cafeteria or shunning you at work or closing your bank account or taking up your possessions and putting you in some kind of prison camp. So you've got internal and external, and they quickly fall away because they have no root. Now, the root would be if you hear the message and receive it with joy, how are you going to get a root? You need to hear more of the message. You heard the message of the kingdom, and the kingdom, yeah, you can say it in a sense. You can say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him is, is saved, will not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm in. 
What's this trouble I'm getting right here? Wait, 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 wait. We got to read the rest of the book. It's like, oh, I don't have time for all this. Is it, is it on a, a, a TikTok video? No, no, you're going to have to come to Bible class. It's like, well, I ain't going to do that. Well, okay, it's coming. You're done. It's like you can't, you're going to have to have some kind of substance. You're going to have to grow. Um, uh, point two under B, they liked the message but did not get past the immediate gratification of the message of the kingdom. They could not wait for it. They did not fully understand it. They fall away, which means to, to desert the faith when it becomes too difficult to do or too difficult to understand. They desert the faith. Now, that's where the question, were they really saved? I mean, were they, did they embrace, they embraced the concept uh, it's kind of like, uh, well, yeah, I'll give you some example of like relationships. You like the ideal of being in love and having a girlfriend, but it's like you really don't want a girlfriend because now, you know, or a wife or something, because now you've got to change your whole lifestyle. It's like, well, I like the concept of having a wife, but I really didn't want one, I guess. Uh, so then again, that too late in the night to develop that analogy. Thorns. Three things it says... Uh, and others sown among the thorns, verse 18, they are those who hear the word. Okay, they hear the word. Now again, we're going to assume they receive it with joy because they hear it and they start growing. We're going to assume they're the same thing as in the rocks. They hear the word. They receive the word. They actually start growing. So they are a growing plant with the concept of producing the fruit of the kingdom. Uh, they hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter and choke the word and prove it unfruitful so now they received it they grew but they didn't produce any fruit what does that mean i mean i don't know does that mean if you don't produce fruit jesus says well you know you came so close you grew you received you you were positive you accepted me as lord uh you began to grow the sun came out but you find your way into some 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 uh, uh, of the weeds and you started growing but right before you started producing some good fruit, uh, you got all these things. Uh, you had a cares, deceitfulness of riches, and a desire for other things, and you never really produced the Christian character. I'm sorry, you don't get to come to heaven. I mean, is that the message? You have to produce fruit. Now, I mean, I don't think that's the message. It's nice now we're reading too much in the, we're putting too much weight on that parable. He was saying right here that the thorns, and again, we got to quit, obviously. I would like to develop this because this is really, for me, for, seriously, for me, this trials of life and persecution of life, they affect me. And and say, so, well, I thought you were a Bible teacher. I thought you believed in God. I thought you, yeah, but I, I have trials and I've gone through trials and I, just, I haven't faced great persecution. But right here, hey, uh, the cares, the stressful concerns and anxiety, the cares of this life, the cares of this age, do you think I face that? No, 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 I'm beyond that. <laughs> you silly children it's like well, no it's like yeah i mean yeah that's me it's like yeah i i have i'm distracted by stress uh deceitfulnesses of riches and that is something i mean i'm staring at it right now that can be summed up simply as an illusion of worldly security now that's not bad when you're like go back to the 70s 80s 90s you know you can have your your retirement, social security, you've got investments. It's like, okay, I've got this. And it's like, I, I, I trust that. I'll be, we're going to be fine. We're gonna, i got all these retirements. It's like, that's almost playing. In the, you got to be responsible. I'm not saying don't be responsible, but it's like, I'm a good Christian because, well, you check my retirement account. <laughs> we're doing pretty good. We're going to be able to make it until we're 90 or so. So, yeah, we're, we're good Christians. It's like, all of a sudden, like, well, that's gone. It's like, gone? Oh, are you still a Christian? Uh, wait, I can't, what? My, 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 my retirement's gone. It's like, are you, have you prayed about it? It's like, I don't have time to pray. It's like, I don't have, I, we won't have class tonight. I, I lost my entire inheritance. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because every, that everything in the world is passing away. And you have to be in a place where if you're going to produce fruit, that you are going to be able to just take that and strike. I mean, it will leave a mark. I mean, Jesus suffered on the cross. He didn't just like, you know, giggle through it. I mean, it's going to leave a mark, but you're going to be able to just endure through it. And I wonder, I mean, I wonder about that. I, I know the deceitfulness is of riches, but I also have a house and a car with gas in it, and I got a job. But I'm not deceived. Okay, we're going to take that all away from you. Oh, I guess I was deceived because I was counting on that a lot more than I thought I was. 
Again, there's a balance of that. And then the desire for other things, just anything else of the world, that will choke the word, making it unfruitful. Okay, we've got to quit. Again, then some of the seed falls into the good soil, producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I've got to believe that with 30, what is the, the 100 fold, the 30, uh, 60? That is whatever the seed was, you are now producing that in your life. And if the seed was the word or the message, the gospel of the kingdom, you're producing some, some, uh, some other fashion of it, uh, if it be your words, your lifestyle, uh, helping others. You're doing something to expand the kingdom. You're not just you know, growing with the weeds and not being productive. You're out there producing more of what Jesus gave you. You're producing more of it. Uh, I mean, not creating doctrine, but advancing the cause of the kingdom. Uh, we'll come back. We've got to do some more work with it. And then I think for myself, that is, a, 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 I want to say, paramount. That's a, a pivotal, that's a foundational teaching right there. In fact, uh, my whole view of, of life and ministry and the word can all hinge right on that, that parable right there. And I don't feel, feel if I, I fully understand you know, the, the whole meaning of that thing. Okay, I've got to quit because obviously we're used up a lot of time. I appreciate you being here. I'll pray and we're done. Father, we do thank you for the chance to be here. We thank you for your word. We ask that we would continue to learn by your spirit. We would learn from your word. We'd also judge our hearts that we may, again, remove the thorns and the, and the thistles in our own lives that we may learn to trust you and be able to produce the fruit. We do ask that we would live a life that is pleasing to you, producing the, the fruits of this kingdom in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time. Yes, sir.